Welcome to City Church. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Adam Kaziah. I'm one of the elders here at City Church, and they picked me this week to give the message. I'm, I'm sorry if it's the first time for you. I'm not the best speaker, but we all have to practice to get better, right? We're con- <laughs> Amen. Uh, we're continuing this journey through the Sermon on the Mount today and um, preach the greatest sermon ever, preached by the greatest preacher ever. Obviously not me, because I already told you that. But Jesus, in case you had the question, is the greatest preacher ever. Pastor, Mark and, and Pastor Marcus and Pastor Jared decided they needed a break today. So they leave me with the hardest passage of this whole thing. <laughs> we're going to start, huh? We're going to start in um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Uh, we're going to read in the Engl- English Standard Version. Uh, so if you want to follow along with me, we'll read read through the passage and then we'll get started verse 1 of Matthew chapter 7 judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be used against you why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye or how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your own eye, out of your eye, when there's a big log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 6. <clears throat> do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you humbly this morning, uh, recognizing that um, without you today, Father, I couldn't be up here. Um, Because just like that song just said, I'm not enough. And I ask, Lord, that you will meet us all here today. And that the words on this paper and the words that come out of my mouth are your words, Father. That they will touch somebody's heart. That the understanding that your son Jesus brought with this this sermon would, would be imparted to them, not on my own doing, but of your divine grace to us. Father God, bless this time this morning, and uh, let us hear what you have to say. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Many of you know me and, and know how I like to joke around about a lot of things. I'm a pretty jovial guy, and one day this guy was around us, and he used the word heaven points. And so I've kind of taken that on, on my own and made this whole system out of it. I borrowed this system, but I kind of made it my own. Heaven points is, is a, a way to get points when you do churchy things. And, and when, you, when you start slacking off, I had to take them away from you. You know, some people get them and some people get more taken away. But anyway, like, you know, like volunteer huddle. If you're volunteering and you miss the huddle, that's minus five. You know, and you miss church, that's like minus 15. And, uh, and then if you're serving kids, that's plus 25. Yeah, yeah, you like that? You like that? Anyway, so I think I'm a pretty fair judge about it. Always leaving room to add points to people and, you know, checking people when they need them taken away. But uh, at this point, it's just fun and games. And we've got a whole small group kind of joking about this now, and it's, it's funny. 
But it's all in jest, and it's good to laugh about from time to time. But the truth is, as I studied this week over this passage, it kind of just tugged on my heart. Who am I to decide who gets heaven points and who doesn't? And, you know, it, it, it kind of took me back, you know. On what basis am from I able to make that judgment? You know, who am I? You see, Jesus is telling us very clearly in today's passage the danger in judging. The dangers in thinking too highly of oneself. The idea that we're going to be assigning heaven points to anyone First, we need to start taking a whole lot of them away from ourselves, because this is where it starts. The, I believe there are three key decisions we must make in regards to judging as Jesus outlines it in our passage today. So we'll get started with that. The first decision is a decision not to judge others. Um, Jesus tells us in verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. In his initial statement, it's pretty clear. Don't judge others. But what does that mean to judge? In today's world, the idea of judging can range from Judge Judy with her gavel and her snarky comments to a sharp tongue to being critical and even eye-rolling. The Greek word used here is krinete, properly to distinguish, to pass judgment, or to condemn And Jesus is talking about it this way in a comparative judgment to those around us, making a determination about their worth, about their goodness, their status as compared to my own. In fact, this is probably one of the most misused quoted passages in the Bible. You don't want somebody's opinion of you? Don't judge. Don't want to hear anybody's advice? Don't judge me. But We do that all the time. We don't want to be corrected or disciplined. Even my five-year-old, six-year-old daughter now rolls her eyes and says, Daddy, don't judge me. You know, it's how God, she says, it's just how God made me. So y'all pray for me and Taylor through our teenage years with her because (laughs) she's six, but 16's coming. (laughs) Jesus Jesus is specifically speaking to the Pharisees here. You see, the Pharisees had created their own pedestal to stand on, their own version of heaven points. They, they would stand up there, and they, would, they thought very highly of themselves and puffed their chest out, and they were judging people, the common folk, based on a self-righteous attitude, the dangerous one that Jesus is warning against. He's warning them to not be censorious, Big word, I know. And you're thinking, wow, where did that country boy come up with that big old word? Well, in my studies this week, I came across censorious. And it's not one I'd ever really heard of before. But a censorious person is one who is hypercritical, disapproving, condemning. Someone who judges you at first sight based on the way you look or the way you act. Or makes a rash judgment about you having first met you. He's telling them not to be like this. In simple terms, don't look down your nose at other people. That's what he's telling them here. But the Pharisees are not alone in this behavior. 
How often do we as Christians take this stance? How often do we have this attitude toward people outside of the faith? How often do we have this attitude about people in the faith? You know, how often do those of us serving come in and look at the other people that come in at 10 o'clock and say, hey, why, why weren't you serving today? Or, you know, why didn't you dress better today? Or, you know, there's a, it, the list could go on. Just think about that. The temptation is so real to use our good works and our church attendance, our goodness, to make ourselves big on our scale of heaven points. And it's not about that. Jesus warns us so much about this behavior against placing ourselves in, in God's seat because that's what we do. When we become self-righteous and, and full of this judgmental spirit, we're putting ourselves in God's place. We're saying we know everything and we know what's best. And what's best is what I am telling you. And that's not our place. We're vastly under, underqualified to do that. We, 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 the scripture makes it clear that it's only God that we must answer to. And Jesus continues on in verse 2. For with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we, we, we miss, if we don't, you're not careful, you miss the point. Judge not that you be not judged. Therefore, don't, be, don't judge your friend because you don't want to be judged by that measure. That's what this is saying. What, what you give out in judgment is the standard you're setting even for yourself. And, you, and, you, and you'll miss that about yourself if you're not careful. So... After, after Jesus told us not to judge, he leans in on it, speaking about the way we judge others. He speaks here about the measure in which we judge in simple terms. I set the standard for my own judgment. With whatever measure I'm using, he's going to use it back for me. The standards that I set are the standards that will be required, so it's best that we leave it into him. We leave it to him. I'm reminded of this story in Second um, Samuel, King David and Nathan were talking. And Nathan came to David and he said, A wealthy man who had everything he desired, servants, maids, great flocks, herds, lived next door to a very poor man who had one little lamb. He loved this lamb. The lamb slept with him at night. He ate his meals with this lamb. It lived in this house, all the things. Well, the wealthy man had visitors come over. And he sent his servants to go get this lamb from the man to feed it to his guest. And King David heard this. He got furious. And he said, now surely that man will be put to death. And Nathan responded to King David, you are that man. And, and it's not quite the same scenario, but David had many wives, had ruled over all of Israel, and yet had just taken another man's wife and had that man killed. It, it, there's no difference. He, he judged the same way. He judged that guy quickly. He should have been judged that way. 
David is quick to judge and to condemn to death a wealthy man who killed a lamb, failing to realize he is just as guilty. And that's what we have to do. We are so ready to judge and condemn others for doing what we're guilty of doing ourselves. And I've been convicted all week about how horrible these sins look when somebody else is doing them and how tiny they look when I'm doing them. The second, second decision we've got to make regarding judgment, as Jesus outlines in a fantastic illustration in verse 3, we are to judge ourselves. Verse 3, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus paints this interesting picture here. I mean, you got to think about it. If you're walking around with this big two by four hanging out of your eye, you know, you're not even going to get close to your friend to even see the speck in their eye. You know, I don't think he was meaning it quite literally. I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't think he meant quite literally a speck and a log. But it was the illustration of you have all this right in front of you. How can you see the speck in your brother's eye? From, it seems silly, but when Jesus pictured it through the eyes of judgment, he's illustrating the ridiculousness of our attempts to help our brothers. When we, we can't even get close to them, right? We got this big beam hanging out of our eye. I think what Jesus means here is we got to take an honest appraisal of our heart. We got to take an honest appraisal of who we are and the sins that we've got going on before we can even take a look at our brothers around us. He, he's calling us to look at those sins and judge ourselves. You see, the Bible tells us that if you're not renewed in spirit from the healer, Jesus, then you probably shouldn't be trying to help others heal. It's hard sometimes because, you know, you see somebody hurting and there's a situation and you just want to dive in and help. But if you've got these other problems over here that you haven't dealt with and you're not whole from that, it's hard to go and help your brother because you're pouring out something that you don't have to pour out. We're unfit judges because we're so fallible. We're hopelessly and utterly blind. That's what he's saying about the log. You can't see that speck because you're blind yourself. And as soon as you for, approach someone and force them to come to your standards, it's evidence that you're blind and that you can't see the stuff that you need to work on yourself, the self-righteous stuff that you got going on. You know, there are more than 150 references in Scripture to judging. And I'm, I'm going to go through a couple of them here to just to get you on track with it. James chapter 4, it'll be on the screen, verse 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of a law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? 
Carrying on from that is Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. John chapter 8, verse 15. You judge according to the flesh, and I judge no one. John chapter 7, verse 24. Do not judge by appearance, but judge by right judgment. You see, the common denominator in all of Jesus' teaching is that he's speaking to matters of the heart and not matters of the eyes. And when we understand that, it changes the way we see others and it changes the way we respond to others. Because the way we respond has to originate in the heart. And, and the way we see things matters because it's screened by the heart. And, and if it's not filled with, with righteousness and, and Christ, then, then the way we look at it is not going to be screened by righteousness in Christ. The things that others have, sorry, when we, can, when we are in communion with the Father that way and we're trying to gather righteousness and we're understanding our sin and asking for repentance and being justified, when, we, when we're in that place in communion with, Father, with the Father, then we understand that new heart and the contentment with the Lord. And then our eyes, the way we see things will change. The things that others have and the, things, the way others dress, none of that stuff will matter anymore because it's, it won't be about that. We'll be focused on God. You'll hear us say here at City Church that this is a place where everyone is welcome because none of us are perfect. And it was out of that sentiment, this very sentiment, that this church was born. We, we sat around my living room crying one Saturday when we found out the other church was closing. And we prayed for the people that we knew were coming that didn't feel welcome in other places. And this is where City Church came from. This is how we live. Let us not be mistaken, though. He's not saying that we're not to judge at all. We are commanded to in the Bible in several places, and we have a duty as a believer to search ourselves, be discerning through the lens of Jesus, through the perfect one. We can't let our brother go in sin. The Bible tells us clearly to go and approach your brother about sin. But, and if we let him go in sin, it's the same as hating your brother. If we don't confront the sin, we'll be lost in it. In fact, this day and age, I would say we live as a, as a society. We lean way too far in the opposite direction. We don't humbly recognize our depravity and our separation from God. Instead, we are content with our own goodness, our own merit, our own good deeds, We've leaned into a culture that says we shouldn't judge anyone or we shouldn't uh, anything, judge anything, including ourselves. And instead, we promote this good feeling situation. If it feels good, it must be good. Our world rebels against the truth of the gospel. Everything that we see today rebels against that. I was thinking about this theme of self-righteousness. And everything you see says has self in front of it now. 
And it, it just dawned on me this morning that at Walmart, you have the self-checkout. And we take selfie pictures instead of the old days where we just had photos. We have the selfie stick, and everything is self, self, self. And that is countercultural to what the Bible tells us. The final decision Jesus is pointing to here is a decision to use good judgment. In verse 6, verse 6 states, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. I've got to tell you this story, and this happened last weekend on Saturday. It lines up perfectly with this verse. Last weekend in the Keziah house, we made farm hamburgers. And for those of you that don't know, I'm about to let you in, but those that know already know. <laughs> Every year at our family farm, we fatten up a cow and we butcher that cow and we share the meat with the whole family. And I'm just telling you, this is primo hamburger meat. It doesn't get any better. So last Saturday, uh, Taylor fixed up a big plate of these hamburgers and Walt wanted to go out and ride this four-wheeler at the farm. It was just before dark. So I grabbed a hamburger and sprinted out to the truck to take him out there. And what did I do? I had one bite and dropped it in the dirt. Dropped the hamburger in the dirt. And I'm devastated because they were great hamburgers. <laughs> devastated. But I was okay. I said, you know what? There's a whole plate of those hamburgers in there. When I get back, I'll get another one and we'll be all good. So we go to the farm, we ride the four-wheeler, all the things, and we're loading up in the truck to come back home, and I get a text me message from Taylor with a big crying face on it. And those are never good. Anybody can, anybody can, when you get a text from your wife with a crying face that starts out, something is bad wrong. And she follows that up with, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, my heavens, what has happened here? And come to find out she goes to put the baby down upstairs and Kelly can you put that picture up here that big horse of a dog right there got on the counter and ate the whole plate of those hamburgers he ate the whole plate of hamburgers it was devastating and I was so mad I was so mad and I was I, hear me I was not mad at Taylor was not judging Taylor, but I was mad at this dog. And he just about was uh, an orphan because <laughs> I was not happy about it. You see, uh, it's all fun and everything, and it lines up perfect with this, but the fact of the matter is dogs in this day that Jesus is talking about wasn't this cute, cuddly thing that we have here that we spend money on and all that. Dogs were considered... Uh, nasty, dirty. They were scavengers, uh, mongrels, you know. Uh, there's even one place in the Bible where a prophecy was fulfilled and the dogs ate people. You know, Jezebel fell out of a window and they fed her to the dogs, her remains. That's the way dogs were in this time. And what Jesus is getting at here, it's a metaphor about the culture of the day and how these dogs were were, were nasty you know you didn't give dogs the good stuff 
because they can't appreciate, they don't appreciate the good stuff. I know that that dog right there had a full tummy, but he could not appreciate the full deliciousness of those hamburgers. And it was a waste. I think that's what my heart was upset about the most. It was a total waste. Because he eats trash three days a week. I mean, it can't be the same. And in his mind, it's the same. But that's where we are. And, that, and that's what Jesus is saying here. We can't always give the good things to everybody. And <laughs> when, we, when Jesus is talking about here he's talking about there's people that you're going to come across in your in your life your journey that aren't going to appreciate the holy word they're not going to appreciate what is in this book in fact they're going to slander and scoff and and denounce you about it and that's what he's saying here there's places in the bible where he didn't even give the disciples everything that he was wanting to he says, he, he says, you can't understand this, so I'm not going to give this to you. So we have to, under, we have to understand what he's saying here, that everything is not for everybody. They just don't appreciate it the same way. And then the pigs, can you put that picture up, Kelly? The pigs were unclean to the Jewish people. And if they're not the cuddly little things that most people think of now, the little pink things that run around all cuddly. This is closer to what they look like. And I wanted to show you that because this part of the verse that talks about they will turn around and, and lash you with their, with their teeth. That's what their teeth look like. Big tusks, razor sharp that could cut you and gnash you up. The, the, uh, and the pearls. There's a really important fact about the pearl because back then we think of gold as being like the standard well, back then, the, the pearl was the most expensive and the most precious thing that you could have. And the pigs were the nastiest, unclean animals that there were. And they didn't appreciate it. And they would turn, soon turn on you as soon as they realized it wasn't good food. They would eat slop. And they would eat wheat, uh, wheat and barley. But when they realized the pearls weren't food and they didn't taste good, even though we valued it as the most precious thing, they would turn on you and gnash you and, and cut you up. It's the same with the analogy with the dogs. There's some people you aren't going to be able to give the pearls to. This, this is the pearl. The, this word is the pearl. And some people aren't ready to receive it. And we have to understand that and we have to know that. You have to not break you immediately. Let it break your spirit to where you're away from what you know is right and true. You have to be able to discern falsehood and truth when you see it. It, it comes from right here, the truth. And when you're able to know that, then you won't try to, you know, keep feeding somebody the truth when all they want to do is turn it around and slander you with it or tear it down or mock it or make fun of it. That's what he's saying here. This, this type of judgment that is necessary, as, as believers we have to be able to judge the difference between people who genuinely know God and those who only want to mock and abuse. 
Clearly, Jesus has set a precedent and given us instructions for, um, for proclaiming God's truth and doing so with discretion and discernment, knowing the time when somebody might receive it and might reject it is, is the importance here. In that case, we must continue on and share with others because there are so many who need it and are ready for it that, that we have to be there and prepared to share it. So what are we to make in Jesus' teaching on judgment? I believe Jesus is calling us to judge rightly, which can be done in humility from a place of below, not above. Judge others with judging others with harshness and criticism, paying close attention to our own need for self-examination and self-judgment, and finally using good judgment um, when we do need to judge and pursue. We need to leave it up to God alone to judge. But this, is, this concept here was widely understood in the Bible, and, and I'm going to go back to the Old Testament before Jesus. And King David, he realized, you know, and came back to God. But he, he understood this, and he says, I, I can't judge until I'm clean myself. And in Psalm 51, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me but restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. But verse 13 is probably the most important tied to this lesson. Restore me to the joy of your... Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. But not before he was renewed himself. And then... Jesus tells Simon Peter right before Simon Peter was going to deny him. In Luke 22, verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, and that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, i.e., when you have been healed, and you have come back to me, then strengthen your brothers. It's a recurring theme. Come back to Christ. Come back to the righteousness. And then you'll be able to approach your brother who's sinning. It's, it's important to get ourselves out of the way before we look on somebody else and make a judgment. We got to use what what God gives us in this truth right here before we can do that. As I land the plane today, here I recognize I spent this whole message challenging you to recognize the log in your own eye, how self-righteous we are and how bad we are. But I'm going to leave you with a spoiler. This book of Matthew, if you read for 20 more chapters, the greatest thing in the world happens. In chapter 27, Jesus is taken to that cross. 
blameless and pure, he is taken to the cross. And he died for your sin and mine on that cross. He took the judgment once and for all. That was God's plan from the beginning. He sees us through Jesus. And that's the way we want God to look at us. We want him to put those sunglasses on that have Jesus in front of him to look at us that way. And it's the same sunglasses that we are to wear when we look at our brothers. See them through that holy lens. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus in your life and you don't trust the Lord, we want you to know that we're here for you. We want to talk to you about that. And we want you to be a part of this family that we have. We want to be able to hold you accountable. We want to be able to to call out the speck in your eye. But we only want to do that when our cells are out of the way and we're seeing through the lens of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. Pray with me if you would.